Welcome to the Private School Leader Podcast, where private school leaders learn how to thrive and not just survive as they serve and lead their schools. I strongly believe that it is possible to have a long and happy and fulfilling career as a private school leader. And my passion is to help you figure out exactly how to do just that right here on the Private School Leader Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Minkus. So I want to start today's episode with a quote from George Bernard Shaw. And he once said, the single biggest problem in communication is the illusion that it has taken place. So let me say that again. George Bernard Shaw said, the single biggest problem in communication is the illusion that it has taken place. And I was thinking about optical illusions and how you look at it and you see something that's not there and it just, you know, sometimes things are a little off. And if you look at it this way, you see one thing. If you look at it that way, you see another thing. And an illusion, as we know, is when we see something or we think we see something, but it's really not there. And so the point of this quote is, is that a big problem with communication is, is that we think that something has happened, but it actually hasn't happened. And I know that's been a problem for me in the past, and I wonder if it's been a problem for you from time to time. And so, for example, you know, you have a meeting maybe with a parent, and you thought that it went really well, or you have a meeting with a teacher, and you need to talk to them about their classroom management, and you feel like you said all of the right things, and you went away from that meeting feeling that it went really, really well. But you and I both know that communication means that both people achieved a level of understanding. And I've walked away from meetings being like, yes, I nailed it. But really, later on, when I found out that that teacher's classroom management hadn't changed or that that parent was still upset or that they had a completely different view of what was discussed at that meeting, then it really just kind of all fell apart and it was an illusion. And so communication is so important in our private schools and it's so important for us as leaders to get it right. But sometimes we make mistakes. And on today's episode of the Private School Leader Podcast, we are going to discuss the 12 communication mistakes that the best leaders avoid. So we're going to avoid these 12 communication mistakes. But before we get into that, I want to give you a free gift to say thank you for listening to the podcast. And I've created a free resource for you, and it's called the five strategies to help work with help you work with difficult parents. And we know that working with parents is part of the job and that most of our parents are great, but some of them can be very demanding and emotional and difficult. And this guide will give you the tools that you need to build better relationships and have better meetings with the difficult parents at your school. And if you go to theprivateschoolleader.com slash parents, you can grab that guide. And again, it's just a gift to say thank you for listening to the podcast each week. And I just wanted to ask for two quick favors. One is if you could just please share the podcast with two people in your life, a school leader that you know, and an aspiring leader at your school. 
And the second favor would be wherever you listen to the podcast, if you would please write a review and rate the podcast, that helps the algorithm push out the podcast as suggested content to leaders all over the world. And we're, the podcast is in 50 countries, over 55,000 downloads, and we just want to keep getting this word out to these private school leaders all around the globe, and you can help with that. So again, thank you for listening, and thanks for writing a review, a rating, and passing along the podcast to a leader or an aspiring leader in your life. Okay, so today's topic is we're going to avoid these 12 communication mistakes. So mistake number one is dominating the conversation. Dominating the conversation. So sometimes leaders will say, well, let's have let's talk about that or let's have a conversation. And then they proceed to dominate the meeting with a lot of talk and not really inviting discussion. And really it's a monologue. You know, uh, whether it's, you know, Jimmy Fallon or Jimmy Kimmel or Stephen Colbert, they come out at the beginning of their show and they give a monologue. And the audience laughs from time to time, but the comedian, the host, they're the one doing all the talking. And I think sometimes that happens with us as private school leaders is we want to have a conversation, but it's not really a conversation. It's a monologue. And so dominating the conversation is a mistake that we're going to try to avoid because we know that a conversation invites different perspectives and it gives people a chance to speak freely and that we should both leave that conversation with a little more knowledge, a little more of a diversity of a viewpoint, of an opinion. And it's just kind of honestly a waste of time to have a conversation where it's all one-sided, where we're doing all the talking, unless it's a reprimand or unless it, you know, that kind of a conversation. And I think those are fairly rare. So how do we avoid making that mistake? Well, one way is to have some, um, to have some norms, um, some social norms or some just meeting norms. Um, and those could be, you know, not interrupting and, um, things of that nature. But basically, um, one of the things that we do at our school when our instructional coaches will meet with the staff for professional development, they have some meeting norms. And one of them is an acronym WAIT, and it stands for Why Am I Talking? And it's just to be more intentional, not only about like how much you're talking, but kind of how much space you're taking up. And so we as leaders, we need to check ourselves on that as well and make sure that it is a conversation and not a monologue. So mistake number one is dominating the conversation. All right, mistake number two, these are communication mistakes that we as leaders of private schools are going to avoid. Mistake number two is saying you versus we. So saying you statements. And so this is an example of problematic language that um, we often sometimes, well, we sometimes will say you instead of we. And if a leader is saying you need to dot, 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 often, if we're saying that often, 
then that employee, that colleague, that teacher, that maintenance team member um, is going to feel pressured or maybe even attacked. And some of it depends on how they're receiving it. And we think to ourselves, well, I'm just telling them, I, I was just saying you, you need to do to do this. I wasn't, I didn't mean anything by it, but it might be the way that it is received. And so think about, I just want to say one more thing about you need to, or you should. Um, I, my wife and I have been married for 33 years. And I remember that early in our marriage, probably about, I don't know, five years into the marriage, I realized that I was getting passive aggressive with my wife when she would start a sentence with the words, you should. And it wouldn't matter what she said after that. It would be like immediately I would feel those walls going up and that passive aggressive nature rising up in me because I didn't want her to say, you should. And so after I realized that, we talked about it and then, you know, we slightly changed the way that we communicate with each other. And so it's it, some of it is just recognizing it. And so think about saying, we need to blank instead of you need to blank. So saying we need to blank kind of sets a vision or an intention for the team or the project, and it kind of opens up the opportunity to, you know, that I know it's being a little bit indirect, but it's also being collaborative. And so it seems like a small thing, and I know some of us might be thinking, well, you know, people, they just get offended so easily, and they get their feelings hurt so easily, and, you know, why can't people just do what they're supposed to do? All right, well, I mean, that's one way you can run your school, um, and sometimes the situation demands that, but I always try to get cooperation instead of compliance, um, and that makes for a better culture and a happier team. So. Um, it's also a more inspiring approach that helps your team feel like they're part of something bigger than just themselves. And um, I mentioned before about those meeting norms, and this is um, this next thing I'm going to say is a is true for our admin team meetings as well as for the instructional coach PD meetings. Is is that we say that we're going to use I statements. So I feel or I noticed or I wonder instead of you statements. And so mistake number two that we're going to try and avoid is saying you instead of we. All right, that takes us to mistake number three, and that is correcting the other person. So this is especially true when it's a small issue. So someone's talking in a meeting, and as soon as they're done talking, then you correct them. And so let me give you an example. Let's say that you're having a meeting with someone and they're talking about some upcoming event and they say, yeah, you know, Tuesday at seven o'clock and blah, blah, blah. I've been in meetings where, so let's say that the event actually starts at 7.30. So they're incorrect. They said, you know, Tuesday at seven, blah, blah. I've been in meetings where a person will just talk over that person and be like 7.30. And, and it's almost like they can't help themselves but to correct that person. And so I know that we're not going to do that. Um, we're not going to talk over them. And especially when it's a small issue, I mean, it's like everybody knows that it's at 730. The person misspoke. It's published everywhere. It's not like this was an email that went out to the parents that was correcting the time or changing the time of the event. And so my point is, is that 
how much do you like it? This has probably happened to you a time or two. How much do you like it <clears throat> when you're talking and someone corrects you, especially when it's a little thing? It's like, come on, right? And so how does that how does that make that person feel? Do they feel heard? Or do they feel like you're being nitpicky and that you're just kind of looking for them to slip up or make a little mistake so that you can criticize or correct them? And so, again, if that's not a problem for you, awesome, wonderful. Um, but let's model that for our team because it might be a problem for others around that table. But mistake number three that we're going to avoid is correcting the other person. Okay, that brings us to mistake number four, and that's telling rather than asking. Telling rather than asking. And so words are powerful. And this kind of goes along a little bit with the you versus um, we, um, but telling rather than asking, just it's a matter of being mindful, not mindful enough about the words that we use when we're communicating in those situations. And so in, we might say, you know, you need to, or I, I need you to, but could you say instead, well, could you please, could you do this? Or would you be willing to, you know, and so I think that that's true for every single person that works at the school. Um, and so whether that is the board president, whether it's a colleague or your head of school, or whether it is the, the bus driver, the maintenance team member, a kitchen staff member, whatever the case may be. I just, you know, a few um, days ago, there was a, an eighth grader. His water bottle hit a plastic water bottle, somehow dropped it, got a big crack in it, and there's this giant puddle on the floor, right? And so I asked the member of the maintenance team, hey, could you please um, come up to the third floor and you know, bring a mop and just take care of that. And then um, I'm always, I always make sure that I say thank you as well. And I try to do that with everybody, um, regardless of their position in the school. Um, and it doesn't really, um, all it takes is a little bit more of an intention. And once you get into the habit, then you don't even realize that you're doing it. And here's the thing, by asking rather than telling, employees experience a little bit of control and a little bit of agency. Like they could say, well, you know what, I'm, I'm really slammed right now. I'm not talking about, you know, a big puddle of water that needs to be cleaned up immediately or someone's going to fall down and get hurt. But like there are other things where you ask for help with something and it's not urgent and it needs to be done right now. If you ask instead of tell, it actually gives that employee or the teacher, the, the colleague, the whoever um, on the staff, it gives them that opportunity to say, well, you know what, I, I can, I'm really slammed with this thing, but could I do that at 3 p.m. today? And so it gives them a little bit of agency. It actually makes them feel a little safer emotionally and a little more valued and therefore maybe a little more engaged and a little bit part more part of the culture. And so it sounds like, wow, you know, telling rather than asking is really going to have that big of an impact on morale and culture in my school? And I would say yes. So mistake number four that we're going to avoid is telling rather than asking. All right, that takes us to mistake number five that we're going to avoid, and that is using condescending or sexist language. And so 
you know, at, at, here we are. Um, if you're listening to this in real time, we're um, kind of coming up on the end of um, 2023, the start of 2024. And I think that it's time for certain words to just go away. Um, old, outdated terms that sometimes you still hear people, especially leaders, especially sometimes older leaders, especially men, um, referring to women as sweetie or honey. Um, or they might even refer to, you know, it doesn't even have to be a gender thing. Sometimes it's an age thing. Um, those are condescending at best and sexist at worst. And so they may sound like nice ways to address someone and that you're just being casual and you're just being sweet. And I know some of it is like a regional thing or a cultural thing, but ultimately I feel like the time has come for us to move past that and to just call people by their name. Um, and so I think that um, we just have to give that um, a moment's thought and, you know, for I think most leaders, that's not something that is still part of your vocabulary. But if you're listening and it is part of your vocabulary, I feel like it needs to go. Um, and, you know, some people would say, well, that's how my mom talked to me. And it's just, you know, it's very affirming and it's, it's uh, you know, I don't mean anything by it. And But there's really no good reason to use it. And I, I just think it's an awkward language crutch today. Um, and, and why do that? And so, you know, honey, sweetie, you know, those kinds of things, um, just let's just leave them in the past. So mistake number five that we're going to avoid is using condescending and sexist language. All right. Mistake number six, not asking questions. Mistake number six is not asking questions. So you know, we tend to swap opinions and stories rather than ask questions when we have meetings and conversations. And let me hit you with that again. I think that sometimes we tend to swap opinions and stories rather than ask questions when we have meetings. And so if you think about it as a coaching approach to a conversation, then it really actually helps to create a dialogue that is very different as opposed to alternating mini monologues. And I've seen that before too, where you're in a meeting, especially if it's like an admin team, sometimes in a board meeting, and sometimes that's appropriate if there was a question asked and then the point is to go around the room and get brief input from everybody, well then that is gonna be a mini monologue. But a conversational back and forth, um, engaged, vibrant meeting is what you're looking for. And if one way to get into that rut of alternating mini monologues is to uh, not be asking questions and a way to get out of that rut is to take a coaching approach and to start with questions. And so, you know, just simply saying, um, tell me more about that, or can you tell me more about that? Um, I want to apply it to something that we do at our school um, all of our teachers, when it comes to parent-teacher conferences, um, after saying hello, they always um, lead with a question. So they, that's, that's how we start parent-teacher conferences, and it's a very similar question, especially for students in like third through eighth grade. 
Um, and it's like, so what, uh, what are you hearing about language arts class? Or what is um, Noah saying about uh, science class? And it just, that question invites um, the, the response that then helps to guide the conversation. Because think about it this way. Let's say that the science teacher of Noah, let's say Noah's in seventh grade, and the parent really wants to talk about this one thing about science, but the teacher says, hey, how you doing? Good to see you, Miss, Miss so-and-so, and then just kind of goes into this monologue and none of that is what the parent wanted to talk about. And then the clock is ticking for these parent conferences that go by all too quickly. So my point is, is that, you know, leading with that question has really changed the um, satisfaction level of parent-teacher conferences at our school. And we have data to support that with the surveys that we send out after parent conferences. So um, asking questions about the person, their situation, um, you know, it, it also builds trust and it shows that you care about them. So, you know, all of these different, there's all these different power dynamics also, like you, if you're in an admin meeting, you know, we have seen some senior admins at my school and then ahead of school. Um, and I've told you before that I'm head of intermediate and middle school. And so like the head of lower school will be there and the head of the academic and emotional services and the head of, um, Hebrew and Jewish studies and things like that. So we're all kind of like on the same level. And and so there's a dynamic there when it comes to meetings, but also there's a dynamic when it comes to me meeting with the teacher. But I'm meeting with a teacher and they're a 20-year veteran and we have a long relationship. Or I'm meeting with a teacher who's like brand new to our school and has only got two years teaching experience. So there's all of these things behind the scenes that kind of come in and and impact from a social norms standpoint. And one of the ways that you can kind of get past all of that is by asking questions. So mistake number six that we're going to avoid is not asking questions. Okay, that brings us to mistake number seven, and that is interrupting others. And before I get into this one, I just wanna pause and ask you, do you like being interrupted when you're talking? I know I don't. So some of us have a bad habit and we make the mistake of interrupting others. And I mentioned before about correcting people. Um, sometimes someone will say something and, or you just are so adamant about like the thing you want to say, or you are so impatient that you feel like you need to say it, or you feel like they're rambling or whatever. And then you interrupt the person. And so, you know, just think about the messages that interrupting someone sends to that person. Um, you know, it's, you're, you're sending a message to the person that's speaking and also to the other people in the meeting that are listening. And think about this. I, I thought this was a very interesting phrase that I found when I was preparing for this episode. Interrupting is a form of intrusion, and it can make the person you are talking to feel is if what you have to say is more important than what they are saying. Now, we get the second part, of course. You know, you interrupt someone, you're sending them the message that, you know, what I'm saying is more important than what you're saying. But that first little phrase, interrupting is a form of intrusion. You're, you're an intruder in their moment to speak. We don't want that. Um, and then just here's the thing. What I do 
is if there's something that I want to say and I'm worried that I'm going to forget it, then I'll just jot a note down and then I'll wait quietly. And if I do interrupt accidentally, I just can't help myself. Then, then I try to apologize quickly. Um, and again, you know, there are going to be times I'm not, I'm not talking about like if you're in a meeting with a parent and they're being verbally abusive to you, you're going to interrupt them. You're going to shut down the meeting and you're going to say, we're going to reschedule this for when you can act appropriately. That's not what I'm saying. I'm talking about normal parent interactions. I'm talking about talking with teachers. I'm talking about meetings with your middle school or intermediate school or lower school or early childhood team, um, your advancement team, um, you know, you're at a board meeting, whatever. Um, so the, you know, interrupting, we know how much we like it. We don't. And we know what kind of message that it sends. And it's one of a lack of respect. And so we're going to try harder not to interrupt. So <clears throat> interrupting others is mistake number seven. That brings us to mistake number eight, and that is immediately sharing a similar experience. Immediately sharing a similar experience is communication mistake number eight. So let me explain what I mean. So there's a comedian that I like a lot. His name's Brian Regan. And he has this bit where he talks about how he's at a cocktail party and he was telling a story about getting two wisdom teeth pulled. And he said that in parachuted the four wisdom teeth people and they're like, that ain't nothing. And then they started telling the story about how they had four wisdom teeth pulled and they were coming in sideways and, you know, obviously a lot of hyperbole and comedy. Um, but it made the point that it's annoying when, you know, you're sharing something and then someone kind of tries to, to top that. All right. So I'm not really talking about that, but I feel like sometimes it, it does give the same negative feeling and it's not received in the, with the intention that it's, it's given. Okay. And so let me, let me give you a couple of examples. So when, when people are sharing something about themselves, you know, we may feel like we're, we're being empathic and that we know what it's like, and that we've gone through something similar, and that this happened to us, okay? It doesn't always land that way. And so, um, for example, you know, if someone is telling me about how hard it is because their father passed away, I mean, I could say, okay, I know what that's like. Um, I understand how you feel. Um, because my dad passed away, um, two years ago and that was really, really hard. Okay. So on the one hand, again, what's the, at face value, there's not a whole lot wrong with that, but you know, that common ground, I think sometimes we just jump to that response a little bit too quickly. And in my experience, I found that that doesn't always work out as well as if I were to have said, and this is what I do now, is I try not to immediately share, oh yeah, well that was like when blah, blah, because I think it sends the message that we kind of weren't listening, we're kind of trying to equate our suffering or our, um, uh, not necessarily a tragedy, but our discomfort or our inconvenience or whatever it is, the thing that they're sharing about, you know, and, you know, they're, they're just maybe even just off the cuff kind of complaining about getting a flat tire on the way to school. And instead of being like, oh, that really sucks. I'm sorry you had to deal with that. 
we're like, well, yeah, you know, this one time, you know, I got a flat tire. And then before I got to work, the this other tire went flat. And it's like, okay. So I think that if we immediately share a similar experience, just in my, just in my own experience, it doesn't always land in the way that I intend it to, to land. And so I've just mainly kind of gotten away from that and just tried to lead with empathy and just say that sounds really hard and I'm really sorry about that and to just try and be empathic without sharing something that's similar and somehow trying to equate it and just to try and ask some questions and show some real interest and curiosity um, and so again that it's different for different people but I felt like it was worth worth sharing because I've just noticed that um, you know, not everybody's experience is the same. Um, you know, a loss of a family member is not the same for everybody. And so, um, it's just food for thought. Um, so mistake number eight is immediately sharing a similar experience. Number nine, mistake number nine is something we all do, something that I did two days ago, and that's looking at a cell phone while communicating. Okay. So I get it. I know what you're thinking. It's like, well, that's how everyone communicates with me at school. And if I get a text, I don't know if that's just nothing or if it's a teacher that needs immediate attention. Um, but when you're having a meeting with someone, um, I just want to run a couple things past you. So first of all, think about how you feel when you're talking to someone, especially about something important that means a lot to you. And they're going on their they're on their phone, and I don't mean they're scrolling on Instagram, but I mean they're getting texts and they're responding to texts, and you know that's hard. You know, it feels like we're not being heard, um, and I think you lose one of the main elements of active listening, not only with your ears but also with your eyes, and then um, sometimes we lose that connection. That's the emotional connection, the heart connection, because then that person maybe feels minimized that what's happening on the screen of your phone is more important than what's being said um, between the two of you. And so what has helped me is um, to just remember that there are multiple ways for people to get in touch with me if it's an emergency. All right. And so if I'm sitting at my table, my where I have my meetings in my office, and let's say I'm meeting with a parent and my cell phone dings, um, you know, a lot of times the parent will say, well, do you need to get that? And, and then my intercom phone is ringing on my desk and they're like, do you need to get that? And I say no. And that's because I have my walkie talkie and I know every school is different, but I also know that in our school, that if there's not a teacher in room 207, or if there's, you know, some emergency or something that I'm needed for right now, that's more important than this parent or meeting with this teacher that I can ignore the cell phone text ding. I can ignore the ringing on the intercom phone. I can maintain that eye contact and that active listening. And if they really need me, they'll get me on the walkie talkie. And so it comes down to um, self-discipline, breaking the habit that almost all of us have, turning off the distractions, you know, maybe turning off all notifications except for text and the ringing of, a, of an actual incoming phone call um, and just remembering or creating a system 
where there are other ways to get in touch with you instead of your cell phone or in addition to so that on those rare moments when you know, I guess I shouldn't say rare but on those in those moments when you just really want to give your full attention to that person if you know that there's another way for them to get in touch with you if it's urgent then that will make you less likely and feel less urgently needing to look at your phone so just some um, some strategies that have worked for me okay mistake number 10 is filling the silence with words so silence is awkward it's uncomfortable and I don't know about you but sometimes I've gotten more comfortable with silence but for many many years I was not comfortable with silence and I felt like I needed to fill the silence with words but I heard one time um, it was in a coaching book and it said let silence do the heavy lifting it might have been a Brene Brown book I'm not sure but you know if we ask a question we need to pause and sometimes people actually pause and they think and they talk or they they take time to answer the question and some of it's cultural and some of it's personality too as far as how long they pause there's been studies done about in a conversation how long a person from New York City versus a person from rural Texas will pause before they speak and it's a lot longer for Texas than it is for New York City and so my point is is that even though it's uncomfortable I think that we want to try to <clears throat> remember that silence is not a bad thing pausing and thinking is not a bad thing and that we don't need to fill the silence with words okay number mistake number 11 we're almost there mistake number 11 is establishing a need to know basis saying things like well that's on a need to know basis or you know acting like something is excuse me top secret or you know you need a certain level of security clearance to to know this stuff i mean certainly there are things that your teachers aren't privy to that they don't need to know about personnel issues or maybe budget decisions or things like that but I think a lot of it is in the delivery and in the way that we explain um, that well you know I guess the best way to put it is is that if you're honest with your teachers and you build trust and you're transparent and you're authentic that then they are just accepting when you're like you know what I'm I can't really share that information and they're like okay you know that's kind of how it goes with my teachers because I tell them I'm always going to tell you the truth I'm going to tell you everything you're allowed to know and um, then when I say that I'm not really at liberty to talk about that um, they're like okay so some of it is just the way that you build trust with your team but some of it is the way that you act when it comes to these things. Like, don't act like it's this big, I don't know, like um, national security emergency level secret. Like, just try and be yourself. Um, I think there's very few situations in our school that warrant that level of um, secrecy. Um, and, you know, maybe it's a trust issue that we just want to keep a lot of stuff from are teachers because you don't trust them or whatever it is but I think you kind of just need to kind of think that through and figure that out um, because it does I'm not saying you need to share everything but if you want 
um, if you want your team to trust you, be transparent, be honest, be authentic, share with them um, honestly what you can, when you can, and um, don't try to treat things like they're a dramatic, um, super duper, you know, military secret when it's something that you're unable to share. And then that brings us to last but not least, mistake number 12. We're going to avoid this mistake, hitting send too quickly. All right. We've all done it. We've all hit send on that email and then wished that we could magically reach out into cyberspace and pull it back. And I think that there's two reasons why we um, send things a little, uh, when we, why we would regret hitting send. One would be courtesy and one would be because of haste or anger. And I'll explain what I mean. So out of courtesy, I've started doing this over the last couple of years is, is like, just because I'm working on an email at, you know, I really try not to be working on emails late in the evening, but let's just say that I am because I'm getting behind on work. I'm trying to get caught up. And if it's, I don't know, nine o'clock and I'm working on an email, schedule send is your best friend, my friend. So in Gmail, schedule send 8 a.m. tomorrow morning, uh, 8 a.m. Monday morning, right? And um, that's courtesy. Why? Now, you can't control whether or not somebody has their work email notifications on on their smartphone or their smart uh, wearable device. And you might say, well, that's their problem if they have it on. No, and it's not. Like, it takes literally two seconds to hit schedule send. You're showing respect that for them that this can wait. And if, it can, if it's in an email, it probably can wait. If it can't wait, it's probably a phone call or a text to a teacher or to a colleague. And so really hitting send at 10 p.m. and then hearing the next day, oh, man, you know, uh, I'm so sorry about that, or they're replying to it at 1030. I'm like, geez, I didn't mean for them to like do that. Well, there's a way you can control that and that's schedule send. Okay. So that's the first thing is courtesy. And the second thing is haste or anger. And it's like, okay, you're just mad. And, you know, you get an email with all these caps or, and, and exclamation points and you're like, brah, and you hurry up and, you know, write a response and then you hit send. And then a couple minutes later, you're like, oh boy, wish I hadn't done that. Um, or you just, somebody, um, was supposed to get something to you or they're asking what you think is a stupid question, or you've explained that already four times and you're like, come on. And you just get really frustrated. And then you like, just put off this terse one sentence email with no punctuation and hit send. Right. So I think that some of it is just taking a breath, um, kind of like viewing things on the on the email recipients end of things. Um, but also one last trick that I'll mention is uh, the undo feature that's in settings on Gmail. You can go into settings and you can set undo for 30 seconds. That's the maximum time you can. There's something about hitting send that like has made me be like, oh man, I sent that to the wrong parent or should I check that one more time? And then I check it and I put the wrong date in the email. That just happened to me a few days ago. Um, and so when you hit send, then it'll say undo down in the corner for 30 seconds, as long as you don't move off of that, that page. And it's actually a way where you could click undo. And then that email actually hasn't gone. 
and then you can edit it and then send it. So, you know, it's that 30 seconds that has saved me a few headaches. Um, and so I just recommend that for everybody is two big things, schedule send and in settings undo. All right. The big takeaways from today's episode, we're going to avoid these 12 communication mistakes as private school leaders. Number one, dominating the conversation. Number two, saying you versus we. Number three, correcting the other person. Number four, telling rather than asking. Number five, using condescending sexist language. Number six, not asking questions. Number seven, interrupting others. Number eight, immediately sharing a similar experience. Number nine, looking at a cell phone while communicating. Number 10, filling silence with words. Number 11, establishing a need-to-know basis. And number 12, hitting send too quickly. So your call to action for today's episode is to think about which of these 12 mistakes is the most problematic for you, and then at your next meeting to be intentional about not making that mistake. So let's wrap it up. Um, I want to remind you that there's a bunch of free resources for you on my website. And if you go to the privateschoolleader.com slash resources, there are plug and play PDs, which are 45 minute webinars with guided notes that you can use for staff PD or just to train up one teacher in a particular area. There's top 10 lists of leadership books, productivity books, TED Talks, there's articles that I've written, PDFs, guides, things like that. Check it all out. It's all free over there at the privateschoolleader.com slash resources. And if you're getting value from this podcast, I'd love to hear from you. My email address is mark.o.minkus at gmail.com. And be sure to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Show notes for today's episode are at the privateschoolleader.com slash episode 64. And a new episode of this podcast comes out every week on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you listen. Please write a review and rate the podcast. I'm on Instagram at the private school leader and Twitter at the PS leader. And if you got value from this episode, please do share it with another leader in your life or an aspiring leader at your school. And I've been your host, Mark Minkus. I appreciate you. I appreciate the amazing work that you're doing as you serve your school. Thank you so much for taking some of your precious time out of your busy week to join me here today. And I'll see you next time on the private school leader podcast. And until then, always remember to serve first, lead second, and make a difference.